Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. We seek to find common ground whenever and wherever possible, and we hope that our colleagues on the other side of the aisle, as they temporarily inherit the majority in the next Congress, are willing to proceed with that same spirit of cooperation, fortitude, and mission-centered focus to get things done for everyday Americans. Democrats make history with their new leader in the House. And while he's offering up bipartisanship, the Republican hoping to become speaker seems much more focused on politically motivated investigations. Meanwhile, a years-long legal fight over former President Trump's tax returns seemingly comes to an end. We'll look at what, if anything, will come from the release of the documents. And a controversial bill to block freight and rail workers from striking heads to the Senate, where some members are threatening roadblocks to keep it from passing. Good morning and welcome to Way Too Early on this Thursday, December 1st. I'm Jonathan Lemire. Thanks for starting your day with us. Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has issued a new warning to the House Select Committee investigating January 6th. In a letter to Chairman Benny Thompson, McCarthy said the committee's work will be investigated once Republicans take control of the House in January. McCarthy, who did not comply with subpoena to appear before the committee, demanded the panel preserve its records. House rules already require the committee to do so. McCarthy goes on to accuse the panel of not telling the full story of the January 6th attack and pledges to hold further hearings in the future. Speaking to reporters off camera yesterday, Chairman Thompson responded to McCarthy's letter, saying in part he had a chance to have members on the committee. We will do our work and we will end December 31st. If he wants to conduct whatever he wants as speaker, it's his choice. Meanwhile, Chairman Thompson also says the panel is getting close to wrapping up its final report and will publicly release transcripts and other materials from its investigation into the attack on the Capitol. Thompson said yesterday he expects the documents will be made public before Christmas, along with the committee's long-awaited final report summarizing and detailing its investigation. Chairman Thompson also confirmed yesterday that the committee has completed all of its interviews. USA Today reports the committee will meet in private tomorrow to discuss potentially urging the Justice Department to pursue criminal charges against former President Trump and others and potential civil complaints against lawyers who allegedly behaved unethically. That's according to lawmakers briefed on the conversations. After years of back and forth court battles, the House Ways and Means Committee finally has access to former President Trump's tax returns. The Treasury Department said yesterday it has complied with a Supreme Court order that allows the committee to view the documents. 
A Democrat on the panel tells NBC News the committee members expect to learn more about Trump's taxes during a meeting later today. At this point, it's unclear what Democrats plan to do with the documents, and Republicans on the committee have said they're not interested in Trump's tax records. Let's turn now to the war in Ukraine. In an address last night, President Volodymyr Zelensky said his country is preparing powerful countermeasures against Russia. He said Ukraine is also planning, quote, new solutions to deal with Moscow's continued missile strikes on critical energy infrastructure. The European Union is also looking at new options for holding Russia accountable for its actions in Ukraine. The president of the European Commission has proposed forming a United Nations-backed court to investigate and prosecute potential Russian war crimes. Joining us now, national security reporter for Bloomberg, Daniel Flatley. Good morning, Daniel. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, Let's start with these, quote, countermeasures that President Zelensky uh, teased yesterday. What is the expectation among uh, intelligence and military officials you speak to as to what that could be? Well, good morning, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on. I think whatever happens, there is certainly a desire to break what has become a rather deadly and devastating stalemate in Ukraine. Uh, as we saw earlier this year, uh, just a, f- a few weeks in, in, uh, ago, uh, the Ukrainian armed forces have been able to turn the tables on uh, on the Russian forces uh, in, in a very dramatic way and, and retake some territory. However, uh, the winter is coming. And there, there have been several missile attacks, obviously, uh, on Ukrainian infrastructure, on uh, the Ukrainian civilian populace. So there is a desire, certainly, on the part of the U.S. and the allies that are supporting the effort in Ukraine to uh, re-seize some of the initiative to move uh, perhaps the battle lines a little bit more. But it's going to be a very difficult proposition, especially as we head into the winter months. Right. Right now, terrain tough going because of the sort of mud before the ground freezes. And then, of course, uh, it's going to be the, the winter chill is going to make fighting very difficult. Um, you, the Ukrainians routinely ask for more weapons with the ability to strike deeper into Russian territory. They've said that's how they could perhaps target some of these drones that the Russians are using to strike infrastructure. What's the latest in terms of discussions from U.S. officials who have been reluctant to give Kyiv weapons that they fear could really escalate the conflict. Right. Well, I mean, that's a great point because uh, the Congress is getting ready to debate a package of about $40 billion, a, a large portion of which will go toward weapons for the Ukrainians. Uh, President Zelensky has asked for what are called attackims or some longer range uh, munitions and some air defense systems. Uh, and so far, the U.S. and the allies have been somewhat reluctant to provide some of those systems, especially uh, those that pertain to air defense, because they are concerned that there may be a propensity or a desire on the part of the Ukrainians to attack uh, Russia. Russian territory, sovereign territory, rather, not the territory that they've seized in Ukraine, but, but territory uh, in Russia. Uh, there's been no indication that the Ukrainians are going to do that. They haven't done that so far. I was speaking with uh, Re- uh, Republican Michael McCall earlier this week, who's going to likely take over the House Foreign Affairs Committee. He said he hasn't seen any evidence of that. He's been pushing for some of these uh, munitions, some of these weapon systems to go to Ukraine. But whether or not that 
that happens is sort of a, a question of a delicate balance in terms of what the U.S. Is, is willing to do and what the Ukrainians are certainly asking for at this point. Yeah, the next steps of the war certainly be a major piece of discussion today when President Biden hosts French President Emmanuel Macron for a state visit at the White House. We're going to have a lot more on that later in the show. Bloomberg's Daniel Flatley, thanks for starting us off this morning. We really appreciate it. Meanwhile, better than expected economic data is starting to ease fears of a recession. It comes as gas prices are falling and the Federal Reserve considers slowing its increase of interest rates. Updated numbers on last month's GDP report show the economy grew at nearly 3% in the third quarter, which is higher than the preliminary data and well above what had been forecasted. It was the first period of positive growth for the economy this year. Economists are forecasting more gains for this quarter, but the figures vary. Meanwhile, it's also costing Americans less to fill up at the pump. Prices are now at the same level they were in February before Russia invaded Ukraine. According to AAA, the nationwide average for a gallon of regular is now under $3.50. And the price tracking company GasBuddy predicts it could drop below $3 by Christmas. The Federal Reserve, meanwhile, gave an update yesterday on its plans to bring down inflation. Fed Chair Jerome Powell said smaller interest rate hikes are likely and could start later this month. I don't want to over tighten. We, we, my colleagues and I do not want to over tighten because, you know, we I think that cutting rates is not something we want to do soon. So that's why we're slowing down and, you know, going to try to find our way to what that right level is. Powell acknowledged that inflation is showing signs of slowing, but he needs to see more consistent evidence that it is before the hikes stop. Still ahead here on Way Too Early, House Democrats elect Congressman Hakeem Jeffries as their new leader. What he's saying about that historic pick and how things are shaping up for Kevin McCarthy on the Republican side. Plus, former President Barack Obama heads to Georgia today to rally for Senator Raphael Warnock. We'll have the latest on that closely watched runoff election now just days away. Those stories and a check on the weather when we come right back. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. Welcome back. Attorney General Merrick Garland says the Justice Department will continue its work to hold accountable those responsible for trying to overturn the 2020 election. The Attorney General made the comments at a news conference yesterday while praising the verdict in the Oath Keeper seditious conspiracy trial. On Tuesday, a federal jury found the group group's founder, Stuart Rhodes, and his deputy, Kelly Meggs, guilty of seditious conspiracy. 
Three other members of the group were convicted of various felonies in connection with the January 6th attack on the Capitol. These convictions were the result of tireless work by Justice Department agents, attorneys, analysts, and support staff beginning in January 2021 with a methodical collection of evidence and continuing through the presentation of that evidence during the seven-week trial that began in October of 2022. Their skill and dedication are in the very best tradition of the Justice Department, and we are all extremely grateful to them. During the trial, prosecutors highlighted the defendant's ties to key allies of former President Trump. But Garland didn't say if he expected prosecutors to eventually file charges against anyone else who did not physically participate in the insurrection, including the former president and some of his closest allies. House Democrats, meanwhile, have elected their next leaders. Running unopposed, New York's Hakeem Jeffries was chosen to be the party's next minority leader. After history-making House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced her retirement from leadership last month, Jeffries will be making some history of his own as the first black lawmaker to lead a party's caucus in either chamber. I stand on the shoulders of people like Shirley Chisholm and so many others as we work to advance the ball for everyday Americans and get stuff done. Because that's what Democrats do. Democrat leaders in both houses of Congress right now, Hakeem Jeffries in the House, Charles Schumer in the Senate, Brooklyn, New York. Elsewhere, Catherine Clark of Massachusetts was voted the next minority whip. She currently serves as assistant speaker under Pelosi. And California's Pete Aguiar will take on the role as caucus chair, making him the highest ranking Latino to ever serve in the House. Although those positions were filled without drama, there is one leadership role in the House Democratic Caucus still being contested. In just a few hours, Democrats will choose between Rhode Island's David Cicilline and South Carolina's James Clyburn for the position of assistant leader. Cicilline announced a surprise bid to challenge his long-serving colleague yesterday, writing this in a letter. I think it is critical that the House Democratic leadership team fully reflect the diversity of our caucus and the American people by including an LGBTQ plus member at the leadership table, which is why I've decided to run for assistant leader. Of the current Democratic leadership trio, the 82-year-old Clyburn is the only one who has opted to stay in a top position in the next Congress, frustrating some younger members of his party. On the other side of the aisle, a number of House Republicans continue to voice their opposition to Kevin McCarthy serving as the next speaker. Speaking to reporters yesterday, Virginia's Bob Good became at least the fourth member of the caucus to firmly announce that they would not support McCarthy's speakership bid. What do you see as the potential number of, of folks who are really willing to take this to the floor, you know, against McCarthy, you know, if, if the situation with the rules remains? Well, I'll point to what Andy Biggs said, who's the person that I voted for for speaker and who I'm currently supporting until another candidate emerges that might be you know, more able to get to 218. Uh, Andy Biggs said he thought there's about 20, and I think he's in the ballpark. The speaker vote is scheduled for January 3rd. Republicans will likely hold 223 seats in the next Congress. McCarthy will need 218 votes to be elected speaker, so he has no margin for error here. His leadership bid in doubt. It'll be fascinating to watch in the weeks ahead.
Still ahead, a major development in the expansion of college football's postseason. Plus, it appears shoppers weren't worried about a recession recession over the Thanksgiving holiday shopping weekend. We'll have more on the record sales for one retailer just ahead. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. Levine, no. Booker with the steal. And Booker brings the boom. We're not even two months into the NBA regular season, but Devin Booker is already hearing MVP chants. The Suns' all-star guard scored 51 points in just three quarters last night as the Suns extended their winning streak to six games with an easy 132-113 win over the Chicago Bulls. To Boston, the best team in the NBA, the Celtics hosted a pair of royal guests at the TD Garden as the Prince and Princess of Wales, you see them there, sat courtside as the Celtics hosted the Miami Heat. Jason Tatum, meanwhile, he was king on the court, get it? Notching his third 40-point game of the year with a season-high 49 scored in last night's 134-121 to victory. We should note when the Prince and Princess were showed up on the Jumbotron, the Boston crowd started chanting USA. <laughs> well, it's an Irish town. Uh, it appears the path to a 12-team college football playoff has been cleared. The Rose Bowl has reportedly agreed to terms that will allow for an expanded playoff starting with the 2024 season. That's two years earlier than previously planned. The Rose Bowl had been the final holdout preventing the change, with CFB, CFP officials reportedly issuing an ultimatum to bowl organizers weeks ago that gave an end-of-the-month deadline to agree to the proposal. But for now, the penultimate college football playoff rankings have Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC as your top contenders. That's your final four at the moment. Ohio State bumped to number five after it fell to Michigan last Saturday. We'll need to root for upsets in the coming conference title games to possibly get back in the playoff mix. The action begins with the Pac-12 championship game tomorrow night between USC and number 11, Utah, which handed the Trojans their only loss of the year earlier this season. On Saturday, Georgia will play number 14, LSU, for the SEC championship. That's always great. TCU takes on number 10, Kansas State, in the Big 12 championship game, while Michigan will play Purdue for the Big 10. Another three World Cup teams are moving on to the knockout stage. A 1-0 upset over Denmark yesterday sends Australia to the round of 16 for just the second time in its history. 
The Australians advanced behind France, which is still tops Group D, despite yesterday's loss against Tunisia. They didn't even try. Australia will face Argentina on Saturday in the knockout stage. Despite opening their World Cup with that shocking loss to Saudi Arabia, Lionel Messi and Argentina still finished first in Group C after a 2-0 win over Poland yesterday. Poland, though, still advances as the group's second-place team because of a goal differential ahead of Mexico. Mexico beat Saudi Arabia 2-1 yesterday, but that margin of victory was not enough to close the gap, so Mexico is out. History, meanwhile, will be made during today's Group E match between Costa Rica and Germany when an all-female referee trio takes charge of a men's World Cup game for the first time. And of course, your reminder, Team USA will play Netherlands in the round of 16. That is Saturday morning, 10 o'clock Eastern. The whole world will be watching. Time now for the weather, and let's go to meteorologist Michelle Grossman for the forecast. How's it looking, Michelle? Well, we're looking like December, certainly. It's first day of December, feeling like winter in the northwest, from the Intermountain West, portions of the Rockies as well. Snow will be falling, 7 million people impacted by winter alerts, whether it's a winter weather advisory. That's in your white. Winter storm watch is in the blue. Winter storm warning is in the pink. So we're looking at the potential for two to three feet of snow, especially in the Sierra Mountains. So as we go throughout the day, we're going to see this cold front moving on shore. It's a strong one. This is going to be our next cross-country storm, bringing weather all across the country over the next several days. Days. A soaking rain into central California that will eventually come down to southern California as well. Could see some flash flooding, especially in burn areas. Then as we go throughout Friday, that front is going to quickly track into the plains. It's going to bring some snow there as well, bring snow into portions of the upper Midwest. Also some pretty gusty winds as well. Here's a look at the rainfall totals. You see these darker colors, the oranges, the reds, the yellows. That's where we're going to see the heaviest rain. So along the coast here, again, could see excessive rainfall leading to some flash flooding as well. Some really heavy snow. That's great news for the skiers. We want to increase that snowpack. Also get rid of some of the drought in some of the areas. So we're looking at the pinks and purples. That's where we're looking at the highest amount of snow. And as we go throughout the rest of today, we're looking at localized flooding impossible. We're looking at cold temperatures in the east and we're looking at temperatures much colder compared to yesterday. A cooler two in portions of the Central Plains, 50 in Oklahoma City, 57 in Dallas, and 57 in San Antonio. Also a little, little lake effect snow off Lake Ontario. Looks okay in New England, though, for tonight's Patriots-Bills game, which Ooh. is the other sports headline. I didn't mention I'm not feeling that confident. Michelle Grossman, <laughs> thank you so much for that. Still ahead, we're looking at the looming railroad strike and what Congress is trying to do about it. The House has passed a measure to prevent a shutdown, but will it get enough support in the Senate? We'll dig into that next on Way Too Early. You're watching MSNBC. There are two pillars to this job as a journalist. The first is to bear witness to what's happening. The second is to hold power to account. We've got a power gap, a wealth gap, and more than ever, a communications gap. My work is to facilitate a dialogue. All of us are better off when we're around people with different backgrounds and perspectives. And the only way we effectively speak truth to power is by truly understanding all sides of an argument. Good morning and welcome to Way Too Early. What's the response to those who say the president should have given a speech like this months ago? Do we think that's a playbook for Democrats going forward? I watched way too early from the beginning. Uh, I'm loving it. We deliver as much news as we can. The news you need to start your day at 5 in the morning. Yes. But we try to have a little bit of fun with it, too. Way too early with Jonathan Lemire, followed by Morning Joe. Weekday mornings beginning at 5 a.m. on MSNBC. 
On Into America, Tremaine Lee shines a light on the Black experience in America like no one else. And fans of the podcast are taking notice, saying it's a show that covers areas of concern for Blackness you don't get anywhere else. That Tremaine Lee elevates his subjects in a way that is unique and compelling. And that it tells real stories about real people that most everyone can find some way to relate to. Into America, an MSNBC original podcast. New episodes every Thursday. Follow wherever you get your podcasts. Women are half of the U.S. population, but we most definitely do not represent half of those in Congress, state legislatures, or the military. We need to elect more women. We deserve to be in more places of power. We've earned that right. We need to do better for all of us and for the generations of women that are coming behind us. They're depending on us to create a brighter future for them, a future that is actually brighter for everyone. Whether it's the complexities of climate change, the challenges of racial injustice, or the threat to democracies around the world, get your daily dose of enlightening articles at MSNBC Daily. Written perspectives by people you know and trust, like Mehdi Hassan, Amin Mohideen, and Ali Velshi, along with a growing list of experts offering their insights. Plus fresh takes from Hayes Brown and Zishan Aline. Start your day with MSNBC Daily at msnbc.com. This is one of our friends we've been playing soccer with uh, all morning. Uh, they say don't just rush and send things in to try to find organized groups, volunteer aids, and send money that way. But a lot of families here, a lot of mothers, a lot of children, all of them, Chris, desperately hoping they can go home and go home soon. Chris. Amid that desperation, it is um, joyful to see a child who is smiling and at least having a little fun. When you need answers first thing in the morning, when you need to go deep inside Washington and hear from someone who's been there. Perhaps the greatest threat to American democracy right now is misinformation that's being spread around. You need your morning Joe. Welcome back to Way Too Early. It's just before 5.30 a.m. on the East Coast, 2.30 out West. I'm Jonathan Lemire. Thanks for being with us. The House of Representatives has approved a measure that would require rail labor unions to accept a contract that they previously rejected. It could avert a nationwide rail strike ahead of the holidays, but the bill may face some hurdles in the Senate. NBC News Chief White House Correspondent Peter Alexander has more. President Biden celebrating the lighting of the national Christmas tree, but it's the threat of a looming railroad strike that could still complicate the holidays for Americans. A strike that could occur as early as next Friday could cost the economy more than a half billion dollars in its first week alone, according to one estimate. Let me be clear, a nationwide rail shutdown would be catastrophic. The House with a bipartisan vote to avert a work stoppage, approving legislation that would force the rail companies and their workers to accept an agreement the White House helped broker earlier this year, giving rail unions a 24 percent pay raise over five years. But several of the unions rejected that deal because it failed to provide enough paid sick leave. The question now, will it get derailed in the Senate? Retailers and manufacturers are already racing to find alternate ways to move their products. Everything from chlorine for safe drinking water to clothes. 
preparations are already in place a week or more out for the uh, rail service, you're already having to find workarounds. That uncertainty is really poison for uh, being able to plan in any sort of real way. Some Senate Republicans arguing Washington should stay out of it. Why should the federal government force a, a contract on workers that they have explicitly rejected? And several Senate Democrats are demanding more paid sick leave. Mr. Secretary, how critical is it that the Senate approves this deal now? It is critical. Look, uh, the U.S. transportation system has no substitute for well-functioning freight rail. This is is not a time when we can afford to uh, uh, have a lot of maneuvers, uh, any kind of uh, uh, politics introduced here. Joining us now to talk about a transportation reporter for Politico, Alex Doggerty. Alex, good morning. Thanks for being with us. So let's go through it. We passed the House, but what's it going to take for this bill to go through the Senate? Well, it needs 60 votes, and that's where the challenge lies at the moment, given the deadline that we're facing. There are likely 60 votes in the Senate to pass a contract agreement to head off a freight rail strike. The problem is we have a deadline of December 9th, Uh, That's when the rails will shut down. What we're going to see, though, is starting over the weekend and certainly by Monday, shipments of certain materials, certainly hazardous materials, are going to start being taken off the rails in preparation for a potential strike. So if the Senate doesn't act before they leave town for the weekend, uh, we're going to start feeling the effects of this early next week. Uh, Lots of passenger trains starting next week will, will not run either. Uh, And that's even before we get to the actual deadline for a potential strike. And that's where things could get a a lot tougher um, if the Senate does not act. And certainly this puts President Biden in a bind, too, not just because his love of trains, but rather he has very pro-worker, pro-union stance here. And now he's endorsing a deal that a lot of these unions, of course, have rejected. And he's doing so because he says the impact on the economy will just be so great. So we heard a little bit of it there in that package. But walk us through what would happen if these, this rail strike does occur and the ripple down effect for commuters and good tra- consumer goods as well. Yeah. So basically all passenger trains, with the exception of the Northeast Corridor between uh, Boston and Washington, D.C., they run on freight rail lines. So if you have a freight rail shutdown, those are the people who keep the track safe, determine where the trains go. All of those people are not going to be working. So in addition to your freight trains and all of the billions of dollars in goods per day that travel by the rails, uh, a lot of passengers are not going to be able to get to, to work and, and, and get around if this freight rail shutdown happens. And, you know, it really does put President Joe Biden in a bind uh, for unions. But those unions represented about half of the 200,000 uh, rail workers voted down this contract agreement that the White House helped broker in September. They said it didn't go far enough on paid sick leave. And, you know, House progressives tried yesterday successfully in the House to get additional paid sick leave. Uh, but the Senate is a major question in that respect. So Congress hasn't imposed a labor agreement on railroads since 1991. If this tentative agreement does become law, what changes would occur? But also what precedent might it set uh, for other union disputes? Yeah, so this rail agreement includes pay increases. It includes uh, things that would make working for a railroad uh, better. Uh, but what it doesn't include is explicit paid sick leave. Uh, there is additional, um, more flexible personal time that's included in this deal, but not any explicit paid sick leave. That's what the railroads who voted this contract down were pushing for the most. They didn't get it. Uh, the railroads have not budged over the last few months. Uh, was told last week there were hour-long Zoom calls scheduled between the railroads and the unions. Those Zoom calls usually ended after 15 minutes. Uh, so neither side really showed an impetus to move in the last few weeks. And that's what prompted President Joe Biden to step in and say, hey, 
you know, this may not be the ideal, you know, outcome for the unions, but I don't want to see a freight rail strike on my watch. So this is this is the path I'm going to take. All right. We're going to be following this closely in the days ahead. Politico's Alex Doggerty, thank you so much for your insight this morning. And then coming up in Morning Joe, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg will be a guest and we will ask him about this looming strike. Still ahead here on Way Too Early, CNBC joins us live with this morning's business headlines and an early look at the markets, which are down this morning. We're seeing the red after a big rally yesterday. We'll get into all of that next. Now. My work is to facilitate a dialogue. All of us are better off when we're around people with different perspectives. And the only way we speak truth to power is by understanding all sides of an argument. Get your daily dose of enlightening articles at MSNBC Daily. Written perspectives by people you know and trust like Alicia Menendez, Mehdi Hassan, and Frank Figluzzi, along with a growing list of experts offering their insights. Plus, a fresh take every morning from me, Hayes Brown. Start your day with MSNBC Daily at msnbc.com. I'm Simone Sanders, and I have something to say. What would you say to young women right now, particularly young women who are upset? Given the current state of our world, why is the work of the United Nations so important. Women's rights are being stripped away and our access to the ballot box is definitely at risk. Americans deserve more. Here we deliver as much news as we can, the news you need to start your day at five in the morning. Yes. But we try to have a little bit of fun with it too. Way too early with Jonathan Lemire, followed by Morning Joe. Weekday mornings beginning at 5 a.m. on MSNBC. Voting is the single most important tool in our toolbox in the fight for social justice. And if you don't use it, protests mean nothing. If you do not vote, advocacy means nothing. And the reality is, the vote is the most precious and important tool we have. If we use it, we can change lives. Don't forget that. Do your research, pull back the layers, ask the questions. But at the end of the day, make sure you go to that ballot box and vote. When you need brutal honesty. These conspiracy theories are not only making people stupid, they're making them sick. When you need answers first thing in the morning. What's the key to progress to bringing this home and getting this deal done? What is the military posture of the United States now toward Afghanistan? You need your morning Joe only on MSNBC. Capitol Police Officer Harry Down, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about how you are healing, how you are processing, if you've gotten help and what you've been doing. I love, love, love going to therapy. I love talking about my feelings, my emotions, um, take control of them. But it's therapeutic for me to be able to tell my story and, uh, you know, do whatever, whatever I can do to help um, get accountability and justice and answers about what happened on January 6th. MSNBC. See. 
Time now for business. And for that, let's bring in CNBC's Jumana Brasetche, who joins us live from London. Good morning, Jumana. Futures pointing down this morning after, after a rally yesterday that followed a speech by Fed Chair Jerome Powell. So give us a sense as to why the market's somewhat schizophrenic response. Yes, well, the mood today is somewhat lackluster compared to the really strong price action we had yesterday. By the close, the S&P was up 3.1 percentage points. The Nasdaq up more than 4.4 percentage points. To your point, stock market investors were reacting very strongly to words out of the Fed Chair Jerome Powell at the Brookings Institute, where he signaled that perhaps going forwards, the Fed are ready to start hiking in smaller increments. The markets are now pricing in a 70 percent probability of a 50 basis point hike at the next meeting. But the takeaway in general is that they are getting closer to the end of this hiking cycle, a very positive signal to markets. As for today, looking ahead, uh, investors will be watching out for personal spending numbers as well as personal consumption numbers as well. So one place that's doing well, Amazon. It says it rang up record-breaking sales over the Thanksgiving holiday shopping weekend. Give us the details. That's right. So Amazon announced yesterday that they had their strongest five day of sales ever uh, in the period between Thanksgiving Day and Cyber Monday. They didn't disclose the actual figure of what the sales were, but they did say that the best selling items included Apple AirPods, as well as some of the Amazon branded devices, such as the Echo Dot smart speakers and the Fire TV streaming sticks. But it is worth mentioning that this holiday season so far is shaping up to be very strong for the U.S. consumer. Adobe Analytics Analytics uh, just released a couple of days ago that consumers spent $9.12 billion on Black Friday, a 2.3% jump on the year, and $11.3 billion on Cyber Monday alone. So very strong preliminary numbers. So somehow, Jumana, it's been a few days since we've mentioned the words Elon and Musk, uh, but he is at the center <laughs> of a fight between Twitter and Apple uh, that seems to have been resolved yesterday. Give us the story here as to what allegedly happened. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's not much of a fight if only one side is fighting it, but there you go. Uh, on Monday, Elon Musk tweeted, as ever, on his own platform, uh, accusing Apple of sabotaging Twitter by withdrawing advertising, but also apparently threatening to pull Twitter from its app platform. Uh, yesterday, he then tweeted a video of himself being shown around the campus, presumably. Welcome back to Way Too Early. It's just before 5.30 a.m. on the East Coast, 2.30 out West. I'm John Lemire. Thanks for being with us. The House of Representatives has approved a measure that would require rail labor unions to accept a contract that they previously rejected. It could avert a nationwide rail strike ahead of the holidays, but the bill may face some hurdles in the Senate. NBC News Chief White House Correspondent Peter Alexander has more. President Biden celebrating the lighting of the national Christmas tree, but it's the threat of a looming railroad strike that could still complicate the holidays for Americans. A strike that could occur as early as next Friday could cost the economy more than a half billion dollars in its first week alone, according to one estimate. Let me be clear, a nationwide rail shutdown would be catastrophic. The House, with a bipartisan vote to avert a work stoppage, approving legislation that would force the rail companies and their workers to accept an agreement the White House helped broker earlier this year. 
giving rail unions a 24% pay raise over five years. But several of the unions rejected that deal because it failed to provide enough paid sick leave. The question now, will it get derailed in the Senate? Retailers and manufacturers are already racing to find alternate ways to move their products. Everything from chlorine for safe drinking water to clothes. Preparations are already in place a week or more out for the uh, rail service. They're already having to find workarounds. That uncertainty is really poison for uh, being able to plan in any sort of real way. Some Senate Republicans are arguing Washington should stay out of it. Why should the federal government force a, a contract on workers that they have explicitly rejected? And several Senate Democrats are demanding more paid sick leave. Mr. Secretary, how critical is it that the Senate approves this deal now? It is critical. Look, uh, the U.S. transportation system has no substitute for well-functioning freight rail. This is is not a time when we can afford to uh, uh, have a lot of maneuvers, uh, any kind of uh, uh, politics introduced here. Joining us now to talk about a transportation reporter for Politico, Alex Dougherty. Alex, good morning. Thanks for being with us. So let's go through it. We passed the House, but what's it going to take for this bill to go through the Senate? Well, it needs 60 votes, and that's where the challenge lies at the moment, given the deadline that we're facing. There are likely 60 votes in the Senate to pass a contract agreement to head off a freight rail strike. The problem is we have a deadline of December 9th. Uh, that's when the rails will shut down. What we're going to see, though, is starting over the weekend and certainly by Monday, shipments of certain materials, certainly hazardous materials, are going to start being taken off the rails in preparation for a potential strike. So if the Senate doesn't act before they leave town for the weekend, uh, we're going to start feeling the effects of this early next week. Uh, lots of passenger trains starting next week will, will not run either. Uh, and that's even before we get to the actual deadline for a potential strike. And that's where things could get a, a lot tougher um, if the Senate does not act. And certainly this puts a President Biden in a bind, too, not just because his love of trains, but rather he has very pro-worker, pro-union stance here. And now he's endorsing a deal that a lot of these unions, of course, have rejected. And he's doing so because he says the impact on the economy will just be so great. So we heard a little bit of it there in that package. But walk us through what would happen if these this rail strike does occur and the ripple down effect for commuters and good tra- consumer goods as well. Yeah, so basically all passenger trains, with the exception of the Northeast Corridor between uh, Boston and Washington, D.C., they run on freight rail lines. So if you have a freight rail shutdown, those are the people who keep the tracks safe, determine where the trains go. All of those people are not going to be working. So in addition to your freight trains and all of the billions of dollars in goods per day that travel by the rails, uh, a lot of passengers are not going to be able to get to, to work and, and, and get around if this freight rail shutdown happens. And, you know, it really does put President Joe Biden in a bind uh, for unions, but those unions represented about half of the 200,000 uh, rail workers voted down this contract agreement that the White House helped broker in September. They said it didn't go far enough on paid sick leave. And, you know, House progressives tried yesterday successfully in the House to get additional paid sick leave. Uh, but the Senate is a major question in that respect. So Congress hasn't imposed a labor agreement on railroads since 1991. If this tentative agreement does become law, what changes would occur? But also what precedent might it set uh, for other union disputes? 
Yeah, so this rail agreement includes pay increases. It includes uh, things that would make working for a railroad uh, better. Uh, but what it doesn't include is explicit paid sick leave. Uh, there is additional, um, more flexible personal time that's included in this deal, but not any explicit paid sick leave. That's what the railroads who voted this contract down were pushing for the most. They didn't get it. Uh, the railroads have not budged over the last few months. Uh, was told last week there were hour-long Zoom calls scheduled between the railroads and the unions. Those Zoom calls usually ended after 15 minutes. Uh, so neither side really showed an impetus to move in the last few weeks. And that's what prompted President Joe Biden to step in and say, hey, you know, this may not be the ideal, you know, outcome for the unions, but I don't want to see a freight rail strike on my watch. So this is this is the path I'm going to take. All right. We're going to be following this closely in the days ahead. Politico's Alex Doggerty, thank you so much for your insight this morning. And then coming up in Morning Joe, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg will be a guest and we will ask him about this looming strike. Still ahead here on Way Too Early, CNBC joins us live with this morning's business headlines and an early look at the markets, which are down this morning. We're seeing the red after a big rally yesterday. We'll get into all of that next. Time now for business. And for that, let's bring in CNBC's Jumana Brissetche, who joins us live from London. Good morning, Jumana. Futures pointing down this morning. Well, after, morning. after a rally yesterday that followed a speech by Fed Chair Jerome Powell. So give us a sense as to why the market's somewhat schizophrenic response. Yes, well, the mood today is somewhat lackluster compared to the really strong price action we had yesterday. By the close, the S&P was up 3.1 percentage points, the Nasdaq up more than 4.4 percentage points. To your point, stock market investors were reacting very strongly to words out of the Fed Chair Jerome Powell at the Brookings Institute, where he signaled that perhaps going forward, the Fed are ready to start hiking in smaller increments. The markets are now pricing in a 70 percent probability of a 50 basis point hike at the next meeting. But the takeaway in general is that they are getting closer to the end of this hiking cycle, a very positive signal to markets. As for today, looking ahead, uh, investors will be watching out for personal spending numbers as well as personal consumption numbers as well. So one place that's doing well, Amazon, it says it rang up record-breaking sales over the Thanksgiving holiday shopping weekend. Give us the details. That's right. So Amazon announced yesterday that they had their strongest five day of sales ever uh, in the period between Thanksgiving Day and Cyber Monday. They didn't disclose the actual figure of what the sales were, but they did say that the best selling items included Apple AirPods, as well as some of the Amazon branded devices, such as the Echo Dot smart, spe smart speakers and the Fire TV streaming sticks. But it is worth mentioning that this holiday season so far is shaping up to be very strong for the U.S. consumer. Adobe Analytics Analytics uh, just released a couple of days ago that consumers spent $9.12 billion on Black Friday, a 2.3% jump on the year, and $11.3 billion on Cyber Monday alone. So very strong preliminary numbers. So somehow, Jumana, it's been a few days since we've mentioned the words Elon and Musk, uh, but he is at the center <laughs> of a fight between Twitter and Apple. Uh, that seems to have been resolved yesterday. Give us the story here as to what allegedly happened. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not much of a fight if only one side is fighting it. But there you go. Uh, on Monday, Elon Musk tweeted, as ever, on his own platform, uh, accusing Apple of sabotaging Twitter by withdrawing advertising, but also apparently threatening to pull Twitter from its app platform. Uh, yesterday, he then tweeted a video of himself being shown around the campus, presumably by Tim Cook, but that's not been uh, confirmed. And uh, it appears as though the feud between the two has now been resolved because he then tweeted, good conversation, amongst other things, we resolved the misunderstanding about Twitter potentially being removed from the app store. Tim was clear that Apple never considered doing so. So crisis averted. But was there a crisis to begin with? We don't know. Right. It's as if the whole thing was a figment of Musk's imagination. And a cynical take would be another cry for attention for his platform. We shall see. CNBC's Jumana Brissetje, live from London. A pleasure as always. Still ahead, we're going to move back to politics and a look at the Georgia Senate, Senate runoff race, where it seems the two campaigns have a very different level of urgency in the race's final days. We'll be right back with that. Welcome back to Way Too Early. Former President Barack Obama is heading to Georgia to rally for Senator Raphael Warnock with just five days until the runoff election. Democrats hope today's event will boost turnout as much as possible before the early voting window closes tomorrow. This will be the second show of support for Warnock from the Obama family. Former First Lady Michelle Obama recorded two robocalls for the senator to be used leading up to and then another one on Election Day. As of this morning, more than one million Georgians have already cast their ballots in the Senate runoff. Meanwhile, on the Republican side, some supporters of Herschel Walker are worried he's taking his foot off the gas right at the end of the race. The New York Times is reporting the decision to skip campaigning over the crucial Thanksgiving holiday weekend has Walker's Republican allies airing frustrations and concerns about his campaign strategy in the final stretch of the overtime election against Warnock. Democrats, they point out, have gotten a head start on Republicans in their early voting push and are drowning out the GOP on the airwaves, outspending them two to one. The paper continues. Time is running out fast for Walker to make inroads with the moderate conservatives who did not support him during the general election a few weeks ago. Again, the runoff is this coming Tuesday. Joining us now, national political reporter for The Washington Post, Sabrina Rodriguez, who's in Atlanta covering the race. Sabrina, great to see you this morning. Uh, give us the lay of the land there in Georgia. Early voting numbers up huge. We just talked about fears about various uh, campaign strategies. Advisors, you're talking to on both sides. How do they feel a few days out? You know, right now, the reality is that, that you know, the early voting numbers, you know, Democrats would say that, that, that it's encouraging when they're looking at what the counties are, you know, the Democratic stronghold are doing in their turnout. But it's too soon to know. And, and Democrats. Democrats and Republicans alike are saying, you know, while there is no question that Democrats have a fundraising advantage, while there is no question that there are frustrations about Herschel Walker, you know, not having campaigned for five days over the Thanksgiving weekend, this is still going to be a tight race. Um, there, you know, we saw ahead of the general election that there was a similar dynamic where, you know, Warnock did more campaigning in the final days, where Warnock had, you know, a significant uh, fundraising advantage, and he still didn't hit the 50% required to win outright under Georgia law. Um, he did, you know, have 
37 ish thousand votes more than than Walker, but it was tight. Um, so we're expecting that that it could be a very similar dynamic heading into December 6th. So, Sabrina, you've got some reporting on new tactics Democrats are employing in an attempt to turn out the vote. What are they and how are the Republicans attempting to counter? Yeah. So we've seen that, you know, Democrats are saying a big part of this and and both parties are saying, you know, it's turnout for a runoff like this. You know, people are tired after having had to vote in the midterms, after seeing all the headlines, all the you know ads that that were ahead of the general election. So it's about turning out the bases Uh, with that. They're investing a lot on the ground game efforts. So we saw that majority forward, which is aligned with uh, the, the Schumer alliance. Super PAC, uh, the Senate Majority PAC, has invested $11 million on door knocking, simply going to people's doors, you know, their their reliable base and saying, please show up for the runoffs, please show up either for early voting or on election day. On the Republican side, there has been some investments, uh, you know, Republicans and the Mitch McConnell aligned Super PAC um, invested in kind of working with Governor Brian Kemp, who's fresh off of his own victory against Stacey Abrams, is investing in that ground game. Now, the investment is smaller. So again, if we're comparing the amount of spending, Democrats are definitely aggressively showing up at doors to get their base to turn out. And Sabrina, lastly, uh, it was reported earlier this week that Donald Trump, who of course, let's remember, handpicked Herschel Walker, was being advised to stay away from Georgia in the race's final days. We know, though, that Trump, well, he makes his own decisions. Uh, Is there any sense that that's changed or do we still anticipate that the former president will stay away from the peach state? At this point, it looks like President Trump or former President Trump will not be making an appearance in Georgia. Um, He was definitely advised repeatedly in the last month to not come. Um, Again, I think there's always an asterisk when you talk to folks. Uh, Georgia Republicans will tell you, you know, there aren't plans for him to come. But Trump is Trump. Um, But but it is clear that on both both sides, you know, there has not been a desire to see both President Biden and former President Trump coming to the state um, so as to sort of not nationalize this race, which is hard to see how anyone is not going to nationalize it. But but to kind of keep it more based on, OK, Warnock versus Walker, um, or Democrats versus Republicans, but not these two uh, polarizing figures. Yeah. And the White House schedule does not reflect that President Biden, as you noted, will be there either. Barack Obama, the Democrats top surrogate choice for this race, he'll be there today. The Washington Post's Sabrina Rodriguez. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Up next here, more from Washington as President Biden prepares to host the leader of the nation's oldest ally. And then ahead on Morning Joe, as we mentioned earlier, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg will join the conversation as Congress works to avert a nationwide rail strike ahead of the holidays. Plus, we're going to hear from a trio of Democratic senators, Majority Whip Dick Durbin of Illinois, Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin, and Gary Peters of Michigan will all be guests. Morning Joe is a few moments away. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer, like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. 